everyone, and hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adel Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host for the most, Adel Marcy, and for some really weird reason, my microphone is really far away from my face, so let's bring that nice and close to my face. You guys can't see it, but my guest can, and it's hilarious. So today's episode is sponsored by AliciaBaverich.com, that's A-L-I-C-I-A-B-E-R-B-E-R. Uh, com. you'll see links in the description now alicia and i have known each other through john benson's copy uh what was it cpa copy pro academy we've basically learned how to use copy pro together and she is hilarious she's one of the fun people that's there that just drops in a gem every so often and has us laughing which is just brilliant so i put the word out i wanted to get every one of the guys on board you guys already heard from bogdan from um uh craig dave of course, John Benson, and of course, you'll hear from Leanne and a few other people over the next coming weeks as well. With that being said, I'm going to shut my mouth and welcome Alicia to the show. Hey, Alicia, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. So exciting to be here. I've got to give it to you because like, you picked the earliest time ever. I was like, you know, I hey, could do a custom time for you later in the day. And you're like, no, no, I'll, oh. I'll, I'll do 4.30 in the morning. Yeah, well, it's okay. So Gets me out of bed. Oh, always the best thing to do. So yeah. right off the bat, I'm going to say, so the, the, cra- the, the thing that makes you different to the other people in CPA, um, and actually- Because I know my, nothing about copywriting? No, no, is that, you, <laughs> why, is that you're more of a content writer than a copywriter. Yeah. So one of the things I'm really going to ask around is just right off the bat was, what got you into content writing? Oh, gosh, I love writing. And I've been writing a blog for six years. And what, well, what happened was my family moved to Paris and I needed to keep in touch with all of my family and friends. And so I started writing a blog and, uh, and I'm super into productivity. So the blog sort of egressed over to the productivity area and that's where it is today. Oh, wow. Okay. So I got to ask with writing particularly, because I have a hard time um, phys- sitting down and physically writing my own content right off the bat. I'm going to put you in the, in the steam room, so to say. I couldn't even think of the fucking word, but we'll go with it. Um, <laughs> I don't edit, so whatever. The hot seat, the hot seat, baby. What was the best way? How do you actually get what's in your head out on paper? Because so many people have writer's block or they just have a problem with, you know, taking a thought and putting it on a page if it's about them. So how do you do that? Like, you know, I, ne- I never really could understand this thing about writer's block. So uh, that's not a problem I have. My problem is like my brain is going a thousand miles a minute and I just plug in and start typing and all kinds of things come out. I, well, I meant to say is more, how do you know what you're cohesively trying to write? Because I have that same issue, except for there is no direction. Like I've written blog posts where I've started out in one section and then like three sections later, I'm like, this makes no sense because they're not connected. Yeah, but that's, see, but that's how it goes. You have to go with it because the magic is in the editing. Ah. My least yeah. Did you did you read um, Anne Lamont's Bird by Bird? No, I haven't. What's it about? Oh, oh my gosh, it's about writing, and it's an older book. It's it's really old, but um, I mean, not older than me. But she's a really cool person. She lives in uh, Marin County, California, and has written many books. But Bird by Bird was one of her first books about writing and the writing process, and it's really awesome. And she said, you know, you just have to go with the shitty first draft. Just get all that stuff out of your head. And then, then you can sort of massage it into something cohesive and fun and entertaining. Yeah, I love that. I, I have a real hatred for editing. It's the reason I have an editor on staff specifically, because um, I think years ago, I think it was about 18 or 19 years old, I heard John Carlton once say that he only does 
<clears throat> once you've reached a level of mastery in copywriting, you can sit down and just do a single draft and you're done. So for me, I spent the last 12 years of my life getting to that point. I, I got there fairly quickly. I got there in three years. By the third year in copywriting, I was able to do a single draft and it was good enough to go to market. The hindrance is I didn't learn how to edit. I didn't mm. sit down. And that, that's always a hindrance. So my curiosity kind of abounds to those that don't like to edit. What are some of the basic rules that you would give as a guideline for people to edit? Well, you know, copywriting is so different than content writing because oh. you're just looking for that, you know, one or two, you know, really key elements, sentences, right. And then, but the whole thing in content that is the same is that you, you really want to have that one thread that pulls through the whole story or article that you're doing. And so that's why I get everything out. So I figured out, well, where do I want to end up with this and then work my way backwards to find the best way to get there. So just it was like when you're, when you're doing blog posts, just figuring out what's the message you want people to go away with because they're only going to remember one thought from the whole thing you put together if you're lucky. And then what's your call to action? Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Now kind of jumping off that whole point of like really with the idea of editing, but really more or less telling the story because that's what good content is. It's a story that someone is reading. It just flows very well. What have been some of your biggest inspirations around that? And please feel free to elaborate. <laughs> no, yeah, because my biggest inspiration are, are my kids because there's always craziness going on here. Uh, and so that makes things really fun. It's, you know, like someone comes out with some stupid thing. Like I was walking across this, I was walking my twins. I have twin girls uh, and I was walking them home from preschool one day and I was holding their hands and we got to the street and it was around Easter time. And my daughter said to me, mom, why did Jesus die in the crosswalk? And I'm like, oh, I see. Um, there was a little misunderstanding there. So, the, so then my conundrum was, well, do I tell her that, well, he didn't die in the crosswalk. He died on the cross. And then, but then I thought, so then it would be an opportunity to look both ways before you cross the street. I was like, well, do I make it like a religious thing or do I go with a safety message? So we went with the safety message. That's always so smaller then, than it. Yeah. So, so I mean, like things like that come up and happen and it's just being able to pull those stories out of the time when they're really needed. So that's, that's really fun. That's brilliant. Because yeah. like that, that, that's how I usually tend to write my own copy anyway, is like when I'm creating content, it's things happen. And I don't know if you find this, but do you ever get people asking you, like, how do you do so much or how do you know so much about things? Like, do you ever have that question like arise? No. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm surprised by that because I, I think that all the time, I was like, God damn, Alicia knows a lot. Um, <clears throat> but the reason I bring that up is because I've found the majority of people just don't seem to remember the things they do. Yeah, And I, I find that is the reason why there's content lacking is because everyone writes it in the now or it's made up, but no one really draws on an old experience in the moment. Yeah. Cause it, well, I mean, they don't see the threads because I teach, I also teach workshops for people on how to understand their purpose and try to figure out what they want to do in life. And that, that was one thing we really work on is figuring out stories from their each decade of their lives. What are the stories that really stand out for them? And then looking at the threads that you can pull through. And when, when they do the exercise, people are so amazed that, oh my gosh, I have been working on this same thing for so long and it's just never been in focus to see that. So that exercise really helps them to see. Because for me, being obsessed with productivity, I mean, it started when I was in high school and I read 
a book, How to Get Control of Your Time in Life. And I've been obsessed with that since then. I was like, oh, wow, I could like get control over it. Um, and so and I've just been, you know, reading everything I can about it since then. So it's been a long journey. And now I do a lot. I, my writing ties, that, ties into that a lot. So you just opened up like 15 different doors for my brain to walk down. I don't know if you're aware of this, but now we're going to walk down at least four of them or five of them or all 15, if it's up to me, because um, <laughs> they're, inter- they're all into thread. So the first thing I'm going to ask realistically is like finding your purpose, such a, uh, finding your purpose is such a big thing. And a lot of people kind of just end on the whole why section and they never really expand out of that. So my question to you on that kind of side of things how does someone actually start finding their purpose? I mean, like, what, what could they do? What if they know or they feel they know what their purpose is? Yeah, I think I, I say find your purpose, but really I want to say that your purpose isn't really lost. Yeah. Um, it's you. But the, the thing is that your purpose is something that you're born with and it's inside of you. And it's something that, you know, is just, it's just, it, it's something that needs to come out. And the older you get, the more you feel this, burning desire or this sense that you need to get this thing out of you, but you, you, you can't figure out exactly what it is because maybe you have a lot of different things going on or you're stuck in the muddle of everyday life that you, 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 your brain can't focus on that because you're in sort of in survival mode with family or work or all the other things that you have to do. But the um, important thing about purpose is that it's, it's in service to the world, like whatever it is. It could be in service to a small group of people or it could be in service in service to Africa, it doesn't matter, but whatever it is, this, this needs to get out of you. You just, you can't really rest when your purpose is, hasn't been fulfilled. So, I mean, I think as people get, for me, I'm uh, an older mom and, and so my kids are in their twenties now, but when I, most of my friends are, are going through this now, their kids are older, they're getting ready to go to college. Well, now they're all back from college, but, um, but then they have suddenly this space in their lives where they're trying to figure out what, what is supposed to go in that space. So we're looking at their lives and figuring out what that is and, and how you can tap into that. But really realizing it's, it's a change of focus between not like what's out in the world, but it's what, what's inside of you that needs to come out in service for the world. So it's not so much, as you just said, it's not so much finding your purpose, but rather it's realizing your purpose and how it's shown up in your life over and over again. Right, right. And that's really the trick. It has been showing up. You just haven't really paid attention to it. Yeah, like me in comedy, apparently. Oh. I used to be a stand-up, so still am technically, but I love telling stories. So writing sales copy is just kind of part of that whole aspect of what I love to do. Uh-huh. And cool. like leading down that pathway, you gave some great tips there on what people could do. But what what if you have someone that goes, I've had so many experiences, they're all random and there's no like tying force to it? Because you do get some of those people that like to be a little bit difficult for the sake of being difficult. What advice do you give them besides I'm gonna smack you upside the head with the rolling? <laughs> no, but when you go through this exercise and you look at like, okay, what was the best thing you did when you you know, what's your biggest memory from when you were zero to ten and when you were ten to fifteen or 15 to 20 and 20 to 28, you know, like different periods of your life. People generally have these strong periods during these different time frames. And, you know, when once they look at what are the things that stand out, then usually they can see the thread because it actually becomes glaringly obvious to them. So whether it was 
you know, writing for like, maybe for you, it's writing because like you're a stand-up comedy. Well, stand-up comedy is, it takes a lot of thinking and writing and, and cogitation and, and then getting it out of your head. So. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, or maybe, like, maybe really just likes, you know, entertaining people. Maybe it's really the entertainment factor. So. Mm-hmm. That's actually more true to myself, by the way. Yeah. Like I, I absolutely love, um, I love just doing stand-up. Like stand-up and entertaining people is one of my favorite things in the world. Like, <clears throat> and I found that it comes from that same spot. But like, kind of going off of that and like realizing your bliss is a whole different thing. Like, you can know what it is, but you have no idea how to realize it. And my question to you there is like, how does one start realizing what it is they're good at? Like, as in like bringing it into actuality, because you might not be an entrepreneur. They might actually be stuck in a dead end job they hate because that pays their bills. But in reality, they're born to do something else. What advice would you give them to start making that journey? One thing that's really helpful is journaling so that they can really tap into what's their source and of their joy. Because, you know, like you say, a lot of people, you know, they are stuck in these kind of jobs. So it doesn't have to be something that they do from nine to five. It's something that they can do on the weekends or or at other times. And the thing about your purpose is it's, it's a, the really key is that it's in service of the world and that's what brings you your bliss. So when you're working or helping others is where it comes out. Like for you, when you're entertaining others is when you really feel that sense of satisfaction with yourself or that, that joy and that bliss, because actually you, you bring up bliss, but I really, I, you know, which I, I love that word, but one of the things that we focus also in the workshops is on, on joy because people don't focus on the joy in their life and they don't take time for it because they're so busy doing that they forget about the being element and um that's really where the joy has the opportunity to come out or the bliss is you're calling it so um really just taking time to stop and focus like that's what the good thing about these kind of workshops is because people are out of their regular life they have time to think about things and a lot of times people just don't they're so busy doing that they don't take the time to think about what it is that they really want or they get themselves you know, in a vortex and get sucked into one thing and are not really looking at all the options that they've had or where, where in fact their greatest moments of joy were in their life so that they can see that. So essentially it's take stock of your greatest hits. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I'm going to have to write that down. Yeah. Take stock of your greatest hits. That is now given it. to you. That's one of yours now. Thank you. A gift. I love doing those on the show because they're so fun and random, but, and you've given so much as well. Like you've literally just given us a way to find our fucking purpose, which is incredible. Um, or at least realize our purpose, I should say, rather than find. So I think for most people it's just getting out of, out of their themselves own and thinking, thinking about, you know, what do I have to give to other people? So, you know, and for me, it's, it's really writing and communicating and get people to think about things in a different way. Yeah. I think that's very, very powerful. In fact, it's one of the most powerful things that you could do realistically is be of service to another. Mm-hmm. I, I find that very, very beautiful as a thing. Um, one of the things that we mentioned earlier, because I said there were like 15 doors I wanted to head down. I somehow just walked down four of the same doors. Um, and now I can't bloody remember what it was because that question's now going to haunt me for the rest of the show. Uh, so just remind me very quickly. So you teach workshops around this, but what else do you do? Besides teaching workshops, I teach water aerobics because you know why? I like to be bossy and tell people what to do. And when I'm teaching 
water aerobics. I'm up there and I have this big whip and I crack it all the time. And they say, you've got to move faster. You've got to move your body. It's really fun. Yeah, I could, just I to could, like I could imagine out. you doing that. Yeah. I mean, how many people stand around and yell at 80 and 90 year old women all, you know, super fun. And the thing is they keep coming back for more. They want more. They want someone to tell them what to do, but everyone treats them there gently like they're an 80 year old woman. But you know, inside their head, they're not an 80 year old woman. Inside their head, they're like still 50 and they they want to do more and be more. And unless, unless, I think unless people are really pushed, then, you know, they're, uh, you know, they get limits set for them and they never move beyond it. But when someone is there saying, no, you can do more and be more and, you know, you keep going. You, you know exciting. what? You just hit on a very interesting subject here. And I'd love your opinion on this. It is the idea of removing self-limits. And the reason mm-hmm. I say this is because I have that. Like for some very strange reason, internally on a very deep level, no matter how much I'm playing at, no matter how much great I'm doing in the world, I still feel there is a level above that I know I can reach. And I feel that's always a thing, but it's realizing the path to go there and having the confidence to run that way. My question to you is how do you, how do you get rid of that limiter? Like how do you turn off that limiter? I'd be very curious. To see so the key to, to, the key to removing it is just recognizing it. And like knowing when you're hitting up against that, like, Oh, it's you again. Ah, I know you. I know your trick. I know your tricks. I know your game, and just saying, okay, I, I see where you are, and we're gonna just go beyond this. So, I mean, like, it's sort of like identifying it as a certain part of your personality or or your person, and just having them sit on your shoulder and say, oh yeah, yeah, you're chicken right now. You may be chicken, but I'm going for it. Let's see what we could do. Separating your conscious self into different little elements and I always putting that one out there and poke holes at them. So would you write that down and do it that way? Or would you just like uh, meditate on it? Oh yeah, I'm, I sort of visualize that. I mean, cause I, I, I have the same thing. I like, oh no, I can't do that. And I was like, am I not doing it? Or is there, is there the possibility of doing it? Like what's really going on? So it's like, well, let's just test it out and see. But when you see it, but when you see it as sort of like a separate being part of you, I can have this funny witch that sits in my bathroom counter and she's always, you know, saying things that I can't do. And then I have uh, another little squirrel guy there saying, well, you know, we can, we can try, we can make an effort, we can do it. So I mean, you know, now you're going to think I'm completely weird, but I have, you know, uh, you are weird. I'm Sybil. I have 13 personalities and, uh, I've yeah. always found that like, I think all of us have those different types of personalities. We all have like, not all of us, but the majority of us have voices in our head. And I say not yeah. all of us because I recently found out when I say recently, I mean this year, found out that there are some people who um, don't actually have an inner monologue. How can they not? I don't understand. How is like, it even I, possible? Right? I was thinking the exact same thing. I was like, how is this even remotely possible? You mean their head's empty all day? A little bit. Yeah. I have no idea. Maybe they yeah. just don't have anything they want to do. Maybe they're just so boring they put themselves to sleep. <laughs> Could be. Who knows? <laughs> Could be. It's one of those yeah. crazy little aspects about life. Now, kind of coming back it, to it, it with... It's so good, though, that you realize that you have the, the limitations so that then you know you can exceed those. Pass them. Yeah. It's just having the discipline to do so. Because I know for myself, um, so I had a therapy call yesterday with a very good friend of mine. 
and they immediately identified they're like you for some very strange reason have stopped doing your self-development work and i asked what do you mean and they said i don't know why but i immediately feel like there's um well what they said was that you seem very emotionally angry and i don't know why like there's like a really deep anger in you and we don't know why and i'm like i'm not even aware of it until they said it mm-hmm. but um so the best it's it's funny how my brain thinks in visual representation because the moment i said that out loud it, i don't know if you've ever seen this but there's a movie called dread um it was the judge dread remake from 2010 it, it's i haven't seen it it's beautiful it's like such a well-shot movie, very violent, but very well done, very true to the comic books. And in my opinion, one of the most underrated movies of 2010, um, sorry, the late 2010s, early 2000, whatever, it's around that time. Um, but the reason I say that is because one of the characters is a psychic and she's trying to read Judge Dredd's mind. And she's like, I feel control. I like, she goes, I feel controlled, but under the control, I just feel blinding rage. And I'm like, oh, that's just basically me at times. It's like, mm. you got to keep that in check. The thing that I found that really helps with my own stuff and with everything else is meditation and reading. Mm-hmm. Like finding that way around. One of the questions I re- like, we are going to cover the reading section later, but do you meditate as well, correct? Yes. What do you find is the biggest challenge that you found with starting meditation? like the people have brushing up against that first kind of run of being meditative? Well, I think the thing is people have an expectation in their head of what it's supposed to be like. And when they don't meet that expectation, then they just stop doing it. Yeah. And so the, you know, you have to attack things with a child's mind frame of just, we're just going to try it out and see how it goes. And when I've done, I've done meditation trainings and I have, I've, um, did like a 20 day meditation challenge. And so I, our, my goal was at first just to get them to sit for two minutes, sit for two minutes and just close your eyes and just focus on your breathing for two minutes because I mean, you can sit still for two minutes. Yeah. Even a two year old can do that. So, so, and just, and then just trying to slowly raise it up. So do with two minutes until you feel comfortable. You can go to five minutes, you can go to 10 minutes, but just, you know, spending time to really move into a 20 minute meditation, but you know, we took the whole 21 day was a 21 day challenge. So to get to the 20 minutes and so that when, when it, then it, because, because meditation, it's like medicine, it's a practice. It's something that you're continuing to practice. And some days are easier than other days. And another thing is that people have this preconception that you have to empty your mind. Well, you know, your mind is, there's a lot going on there. It's, it's, it's not going to empty out. So the thing is just to, recognize what's going on and you know just let the thoughts go but then more thoughts are going to come in but it's okay it's okay and it's you can follow those thoughts and that they can be taking you one place or another but just to relax and go with it and just to start doing it on a regular basis it really trains your mind to do if you do it at the best thing is really to do it in the same place and same time every day which isn't always possible but at least so then when it gets like my brain knows, this is the time that we do our meditation and then you can fall into it really quickly and easily because your it's, mind is trained for that. Essentially it's, it's routine. Think, yeah, exactly. And, and, um, but it's not a routine. A routine is different. It's a practice. You're, yes. you're practicing it because if it was a routine, it would be rigid. You'd have to always do it at the same time. Oh. But really, if, if you can do it any time. Oh, I meant more towards like by routine. I mean, it's a place that you go to because like I have a, so fun little idea. So tomorrow 
uh, which is like July 31st, uh, when we record, or what, like the day after recording this. I'm going to go see my parents um, again because it's Eid. It's a religious festival, as always. I tend to go home for those. Um, one of the things that I found is that my parents were actually giving me a recliner chair on the way back. Like, oh, we got a recliner chair. You should take it with you. Initially, I was very much against it. But then I realized in that recliner chair, I either read a lot or I meditate a lot when I'm at my parents' place. So now they're essentially just giving me my favorite meditation spot to bring into my own home. The only problem is I need to find a way to keep cats off of it because <laughs> they will take it over. They, like my boy cat, you can't see this, but he's asleep right next to me on, uh, on my other desk chair because I, uh, I have a really big table. So I have two desk chairs next to each other because why the hell not? That's always a place fun. for you, a place for the cats. Yes. Usually that it's a place for me and a place for me when I'm working on a different laptop. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I'm such a prissy bitch at times. I really am. But let's kind of like hopping off that exact thought process. Like, what would you recommend? So I know people start off with trying to focus on their breathing, trying to focus on one or two things or whatever it is. Just kind of to reiterate what you just said. What if that's all that keeps their mind in state is just like focusing on a distant thought process or something that's internal? Or maybe they get distracted and go down like a dark well how do they get themselves out of that meditation and how do they bring themselves to a place of serenity? Like they want to meditate, but every time they meditate, they're going to places they don't want to go. Which is a very odd question, I know. If you're going to some place that you don't want to go, maybe it's just some place that needs to be looked at. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of an example, like if, yeah. So if I, if I'm, if I'm like stuck up in something that's happening, that's happened during the day and I can't really focus that that's when I really just focus on your breathing. So, you know, counting my breaths in, hold, counting my breaths out, um, to get my mind to focus on something other than what those other things that I'm trying not to focus on. But if you try not to focus, it's like, don't think about pink elephants, right? All you're going to think about are pink elephants. Yeah. So like if your mind wanders, let it wander. And you're like, yeah, yeah. my mind's now going to wander. <laughs> I'm very and you can wander, but then you're aware that it's wandering, right? Yeah. So you're like, oh, and, and it's just to bring your mind back to the fact that it's wandering. So like my, oh yeah, I'm thinking about that now. Let's come back to the meditation. So yeah. the whole part is it's, a, it's like a circular process of noticing, bringing it back, and then it's going to move on, move something else is going to come in, you're going to notice and then bring it back. So it's, it's that training. And really when you're able to develop like a, a consistent habit of meditation, you become so much more grounded and your fuse becomes so much longer. It's just, it's, the benefits are really amazing. Oh, for I'm sure. I'm going to push I mean... you to try to develop that meditation habit. I am so happy that you will because I actually do enjoy meditating. It's one of my favorite things to do. I just don't, I don't plan for the time to do so, which is kind mm -hmm. of my own fault. Mm -hmm. but I've been using the Muse app. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think my friend said it best with the Muse app. He was like, Muse, giving, uh, giving hyper-competitive people a reason to meditate. <laughs> mm. I was like, it's so true because that is genuinely my life at times. <laughs> And also, it's it's um, for some people who who are have difficulty doing it. Then I I suggest sometimes doing some of those guided meditations, 
Yeah. yeah. So that can be helpful. Yeah, I find that um, guided meditations help me quite a bit, but the ones that work the best are when it's a soundscape, like at the beach. Yeah. Those do the best jobs for me. I absolutely oh. love it when I'm going to those. Um, good, so you've tried different alternatives, so that's good. You're doing a good yeah. job. Oh, for sure. I mean, like my whole thing is like, uh, because of my anxiety, I have to find a way to keep it in check. Um, so I found meditation really helped out. But yeah. Don't do enough of it again. It's one of those things where you like, you got to keep that practice going. Yeah. That's always a good thing. Now kind of hopping back over the fence to writing for a moment, because I'm very curious about this. When you have an idea and you're writing something out there, how do you typically get it out? So other people read it? Or do you just write for yourself and just whoever reads it, reads it? Um, well, I have a, I send it out to my list that I have and, you know, whoever reads it, reads it. And usually, you know, like I might guess my list has 300 people on it. And, um, which is hilarious so, in the sense, oh, sorry, just go. Oh, cause, and usually you know, like two or three people will write back and say, oh my gosh, that was so hysterical or this was really good. I really needed to hear this. And just those one or two comments that people writing back is enough fuel to keep me going. That's usually the case. It's whenever, like guys, if you're listening to this, we like to be reached out to. We actually <laughs> like talking to people. We are not so celebrity-like that we don't like talking to people. What we do, well, what I don't like is when I get a message that is a blatant pitch to do something. That's why I don't like. If you're there just to have a good time and message me and tell me how much you enjoy things, dude, I'm gonna be there, gonna have a dialogue with it's you. It's so nice to hear that they they listened. Yeah, I mean, I had a fr- I'd uh, I had someone on my mailing list reply back to me and say, "I love everything that you do," and I had no idea if you would respond because I'd wrote, I'd sent out an email that morning saying, "Guys, I know I'm a little shitty at messaging you guys a lot more than I want, but." I'm very easy to get in touch with. Please respond back to this. I will probably reply. I yeah. had 10 people message me that day going, I had no idea you would reply. I was like, yeah, <laughs> ask me questions. One of the But that's why when, when I read other people's blogs, I usually say, you know, write back and say, oh, you, you did a great job on this. This was really good. I really like this point. So yeah, I try to support other writers the same way that I'd like to be supported. Exactly. You put the energy out there that you want to have come back. Yeah, exactly. Which is always a smart thing. Oh, you're so profound. Oh, I try to think, you know. Well, I have a few more hours of awakeness than you, so. Uh-huh. Well, I'm, I got my second cup of tea going here. Now, so. <laughs> I still love your teapot. Like, your little teacup is my favorite thing ever. Mm. So it's Kate Spade. <laughs> there was something that you did mention just a moment ago. I did want to jump down that rabbit hole and then my brain kind of forgot oh that was it i find it hilarious that so many people think that a 300 person mailing list is not a huge mailing list like like, oh 300 people it's not that huge of a mailing list but let's be honest if you had 300 people that you had to send a text message to and you had to individually message all 300 of them that's a lot of people yeah so if you start viewing it in that sense you start realizing how much of a following you really have and what's really fun is like I had some problem with my, with my mail. I sent it out by MailChimp and I had oh, some problem and it didn't go out one Monday. It goes out every Monday morning. And then they're writing me saying, Hey, I didn't get your blog. Like, didn't you write it? Like what happened? What's going on? So that's what, that's pretty cute too. I think. Yeah. I need to get better at like messaging my list about content. Cause I just don't, I'm like really bad for it. Cause in my head, I'm like, I only want to mail you when I have something to say, not like, Hey, go check out this really cool interview. I did. 
which I should really do more of because we had some pretty cool interviews, including this one, which is quite interesting. You guys are in so you guys are having such a treat today because I've gotten Alicia to just spill the beans and so many things, and thank you for spilling the beans and so many things. But one of the questions I do enjoy asking on this show, that's the one ones I'm going to ask you. Um, when it comes down to profound moments, what would you say would be one of the most profound moments you've had in the last like year? For me, the profound moments come when I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a workaholic. I really love working, but when I, I hear you, man. <laughs> I, I stop, I, I like decide, okay, I'm not going to focus on this right now. And I sit and spend time. Like usually I get up at five in the morning and, do my meditation and then I make tea and then I usually I would want to do my writing at that time, but then I've just developed this new routine of bringing my son a cup of tea at that time. So then we have time to really sit and talk about things Aww. and just giving space to communicate and have a conversation with people and to build a relationship because mm -hmm. I realize he's only going to be home. I mean, unless we have COVID for like ongoing forever, he's only going to be home for another year that I can have this quality time with him. And you know, he's 17. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, you know, just the fact that he would, you know, sit and have a conversation with me for half an hour at that is, time in the morning. Is in awesome. itself a pretty awesome thing to achieve because yeah. I remember, so, I remember when my mother tried to wake me up at like, uh, actually, no, it wasn't my mother. And this is one of the funniest things. It's a thing that I no longer do, thankfully, but something my dad did very much discover one day by accident. Um, if you want me to do anything or if you want me to give you anything or get out of anything, just ask me a request while I'm half asleep. And my response will usually be to tell you what you need to know so you can let me go back to bed. <laughs> Even though I don't sleep very much. But like as a 17-year-old, my whole plan was uh, I really enjoyed spending time with my mom. I, mm. I genuinely enjoy spending time with my mother because she, like my dad, they have very interesting stories. And I find that um, this is something for all you youngsters out there that still speak to their parents or if you're at home or whatever and you're listening to this, spend time with your elders, even though some, sometimes they could annoy you. And I definitely know they can annoy you because they have some very opposing views to you. Um, but by spending time with them, what you'll realize is there's a lot of hidden knowledge and experience they've gone through that could actually help you a lot longer down the line like knowing how to fix uh, a sink is something my dad taught me how to do that's so, practical yeah it's a practical skill like he's a very handy kind of guy and uh, one of the one of the more f one of the stranger messages and i think i posted about this on facebook like uh, a couple of months ago was my dad messaged me out the blue and just said how proud he was of me which was the strangest Aww. thing as a guy by the way for, for the men out there that definitely know if you've been seeking your dad's approval your entire life and you get it because my dad bless him. I love him, but he does do this thing where he'll give me approval and then I'd wait for the penny to drop like the other shoe to drop. It's like, I love you. I'm so proud of you, but <laughs> and still this, owe me a hundred bucks. Oh God no! It's usually like, but I really <laughs> think you should change careers to do the thing I tell you to do. I'm like, no, nah, I'm doing pretty good here. <laughs> like I'm making more money than I would there. So it's fine. And I enjoy my work a little bit more. Honestly, but they're just doing it because they're concerned about you. Without a doubt. I mean, I take it for what it is. Um, yeah. But it's funny because when he messaged me saying that he was proud of me, I actually waited for a full like 10 minutes to respond because I was waiting for the rest of his message to arrive. It didn't arrive. 
I just said thank you and you know really you know it touched mm. me the way it did um mm. to which my dad was like yeah you're just a really good kid and I just wanted you to know that because I don't always tell you I was like that's really nice uh I told one of my friends this and his response was wait did he follow up with something I was like no he left it as is and my friend went holy crap that's an improvement yeah oh it's that's really nice fun. yeah it's always fun speaking that's something you can treasure and carry in your heart forever yeah but also I've lost the excuse now haven't I yeah. Because like most people kind of have an excuse. Like, I don't do this because my daddy never told me he loved me or never told me how proud he was of me. Uh, I'm like, I don't have that issue anymore. Well, my issue is completely different now. Oh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Got to figure out what makes me. He believes it. in you and knows you can do it. Yeah. That's kind of scary considering it's my dad that's saying that. Because uh, to give you guys a back, uh, backstory, my dad had tried not only to get me to quit my business, but he tried to convince my friends to convince me to quit my business on multiple mm. occasions. Mm. Um, and it just never happened. And now like 12 years in, I think he's finally relented and gone, Oh no, my son's doing well. So that's actually yeah. pretty fun in its own right. But kind yeah. of like uh, speaking to the parents in the room, because this would be a great thing for you to actually discuss. How do you build that relationship up? Because some kids just have really tumultuous relationships with their parents. Um, how do they as parents make sure they have a good relationship with their kid, but also if you're a kid that had a tumultuous relationship with your parents, how do you fix and bridge that gap? Yeah, that's hard. And, but it's, the thing is that treat, treating each other like, like people, because you'd see them as your parents or you see them as your kids, but really they're just another person with an individual personality and accepting people as they are and then and giving them the space to be who they are and also taking the time to listen to them and hearing what they have to say, keeping your communications open. That's what's really important. A lot of people really don't listen because they, like your dad before, like he had some idea of what you needed to be good. Like you needed to have, my, my husband's father, my husband used to work for American Express and his dad thought this was like the pinnacle job. He had like this 40th floor office and you know, but my husband is an entrepreneur and the thought of working at American Express was like suffocating. So when, when he left that job, his father had a fit like, oh my God, what's wrong with you? What does your husband do now? Oh, now he's retired, but, uh, but he was uh, in private equity. Wow. And um, yeah, he's a, but he's an entrepreneur. And so actually he, he has a, a sunglass company that makes prescri prescription eye frames, uh, eyewear for sports in like skiing and tennis and does, that's anyway, that's what he does right now. Um, but he retired from that other job, but um, so he loves starting businesses and working with businesses to help them, you know, become profitable. He's really good at it. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, but his dad worked for the same company his entire life, you know, in, in Sweden, my husband is Swedish. So his father worked for the Swedish paper company, SCA. And so that the fact that that Gunnar would change around and do all these different things and it wasn't stable and there was like no regular paycheck coming in, like it created so much stress for his parents. And it's just like they were really stressed out for him. But, you know, he was fine and so much better with that kind of a stress than the stress of having to go to a, you know, a regular job in an office. That was way more stressful. Plus, you yeah. can't stand the thought of wearing a tie. Except for our very good friend, uh, Tristan, who looks great in a bow tie. Really cute. He's really cute. Yeah. 
He's a good dude. For the people that aren't with our wondering, Tristan Lee, who was last week's episode, please go check that out. It's a lot of fun. Now, Alicia, one of my favorite questions I love to ask on the show always comes down to the idea of confidence because I truly believe that confidence is such a huge part of who we are, what we do, and how well we execute things. My question is, when life has kicked you in the nuts a couple of times, how do you keep getting up? Like, how do you have that... um, How do you keep that confidence? How do you recover it? And now, as someone that is in your position that you are right now, how do you maintain it? So when you do have a blip, you can get back onto track fairly quickly. I think for me, the part of this, it's kind of funny, but when I am overwhelmed with doubt, self-doubt, and my ability to do things, it's my kids who always say, Mom, you've got this, Mom. You can do this. Like, Don't sweat it. So that's been really nice when they've come come to help me with that. So just having it, the, your go-to people that can build you up when you're feeling that doubt. And then when you put out a blog every week and people write back and said, oh, this is so awesome. That's really helpful too. So yeah, that really a lot of, yeah and a lot of things, it, like it, it has to come from inside you, that deep sense of purpose. And I think meditating really helps because that really helps to keep you grounded. So again, it circles back to meditation. It's really a gift. Crazy how much fun that is. And I found that meditating is quite an interesting uh, place to be because for me for a while, I actually used, um, I did use a recreational drug that is legal in the state of California since 2016 um, as a way of helping my brain kind of calm down. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it took a little bit of a time where I became more dependent on it than my own brain, which was annoying. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I caught that fairly early on. Like that was the thing. I caught it early on. I completely stopped, which is nice. And uh, I found meditation was like a really good move towards that. Not saying that I'm never going to go back to it. I am, but it's just the fact that I was, I wasn't using it. It was more of an abuse at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean that meditation is definitely one of those things that saves lives, at least. For yeah. Me. So yeah. it's always interesting what goes on there. Um, but one of my other questions, like I've got to ask movies. Yes or no. Are you a fan? Oh, I love movies. Oh, this is going to be fun. Okay, so one of my favorite questions to ask on this show is, uh, we're going to throw you a bit of a curveball here. So we're going to do a 10 and 5. So it's going to be five books that you would recommend and give to your kids if this is all you could give them. So what five books would they be? And the second part would be what 10 movies or or fiction books, so 10 movies or books, fiction books, would you recommend uh, that are your favorite that you'd recommend everyone watch? Well, I have a, a small problem. Go My on. problem is I'm really addicted to Harry Potter. Oh, I love Harry Potter. And I've seen the movies. Like we began COVID by going through all the movies in order, of course. I think sometimes we should watch them backwards. No, no. We watched them all in order. And so, and when my kids were, were young is when the Harry Potter books were coming out. So like when I had to get up and nurse my son in the middle of the night, I would sit there and read Harry Potter books while I was nursing him. And it was the only thing that could get me out of bed so I could like keep doing this. Uh, but I loved Harry Potter books and I love Percy Jackson. I'm sort of addicted to adolescent books because I have that kind of mentality. No, oh, yeah, anyway. It keeps you young. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, I love, the, I love the Harry Potter movies. I love the Harry Potter books. I love Percy Jackson and think those are really fun. The Hunger Games, but um, you're going to think I only read like this kind of stuff. 
No, but um, I, know I love Elizabeth Gilbert. I read City of Girls, and that was really fun. And because I love 1940s um, is my favorite period of time. And so um, that was around that time, the 40s and 50s. Um, there's another really, maybe even you even know this series. There's a series called The Twins of St. Clair, which is another kid's books. And it's about these twin girls, and they go off to boarding school. So I guess in England, you go to boarding school when you're seven or eight years old. I so would not know. It's they're growing up from like seven or eight, I can't remember, uh, up until through through their teenage years, and it's their adventures at this boarding school, and so that was really fun. But I've always found that really I, no, no. You've given us some great titles because like those are all <laughs> classics that you're giving. Yeah. If you look at it from a writer's perspective, you always want to read good good fiction, and it's something that uh, John Carlton told me absolutely years ago, and that was you want to consume good trash fiction and good trash tv the reason is because it's popular and you will find a lot of lessons on how to persuade in there a lot of people don't so it's, it's yeah. a good selection so, i have to ask so, though which is your favorite harry potter book or movie um well i i love the first one just like because they're so little and they're so innocent and just like the whole i just i love the first one and i i love the last one because it's so intense and oh yeah 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 it's good um, but now I'm also reading the, really enjoying the discovery of witches because it's such a different world with witches and vampires and demons. And I love like how people come up with this. And the thing that's so fascinating to me is like, how come everybody, like there must be, are there like vampire laws? Like these are like all vampires have these qualities and these are, this distinguishes what a werewolf has these qualities. Cause my kids watch all these vampire TV shows or I don't know, the shows in the computer that they watch. Um, but there's like, certain parameters of what makes someone a vampire, which I didn't realize until my daughter said, well, you know, mom, that's not a vampire. That's a werewolf. And you're confused here. So I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Got to keep them straight. And like the fact that they have these covenants and witches have these special skills and not all witches have all, I've been learning so much about all these things. I never really thought about it before. Just entering these different worlds is really exciting. That's something I find with like uh, that writers don't do enough of online. They they have this weird thing where it's like a one and done. There's no there's no building out. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's why I love this book because it's like first of all it's thick and there's three of them. So from like Harry Potter, you get seven of them. Like I fall in love with the characters and or or I hate them dramatically and and then they disappear and I'm like I still have this relationship in my head and I need more. I'd still say one of my one of my favorite characters and favorite character portrayals is Dolores Umbridge. Yeah, like yeah. she was vile. Pink suits and those damn cats. Oh yeah, you're a cat person. You would like Dolores Umbridge. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Uh, so, well, we didn't get your five nonfiction oh, so, books. Oh, so. and then well, I read. Um, did you read Alchemy by Rory Sutherland? I have really, it. I haven't read it yet. No. Oh yeah, that was really good. It was such a weird thing because I this bookstore in our, I, I'm living up in Sonoma, California, and they, we have this tiny little independent bookshop and they had their like 20th year anniversary. So we went down to help celebrate. And then everyone who came in got a book just like for free. Oh, wow. I'm like, and they handed me this book and I was like, okay, thanks. I'm not really expecting much. It's some of those books that you, they get, I'm sure they got them for free. And so anyway, it turned out to be Alchemy by Rory Sutherland. I'm like, oh my God, it was a gift from God. Like, how could they have picked me to give this bit book to that was so perfect? So um, 
I so love that book. And I went back and told them how much I was excited. They don't even, they don't even have a business section in that bookstore. Wow. So anyway, it was really perfect. I really, I really love that book. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. You got like, th- you got like four more, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I was trying to think of like, I, I was trying to think of like what I'm now I'm reading this book, Misbehaving, and that's really fun and essentialism and um, why um, everybody lies. Did you read that book? Yep. Oh, I love that book. That was really fun. Um, I love all the stories from that. That was really great. Um, what other books? I mean, my bookshelf runneth over. <laughs> well, you've seen my bookshelf anyway. I know I love watching your bookshelf, but it's so far away. I can't like read the titles to see what kind of person you really are because it's reflected well, in your books. I'll tell you what, after we finish up this call, I will actually, uh, I'll take my laptop off. It's uh, off where I usually have it and we'll hop on and I'll show you that. I'll show you the, oh. the collection. Yeah, it's fun. Cause I mean, I have all those advertising books, Eugene Schwartz and all those that are surrounding me, how to write copy that sells by Ray Edwards. Um, there's all, all kinds of fun things, and I've written my a book myself. How oh, to power book? up your power up your productivity? Please. How to be more oh. effective from your home office? How to be more oh. productive from your home office? Can we get available the... on Amazon? Ninety nine cents. Really, dude? It's just a Kindle. Up. It's a Kindle. It's a Kindle book. Ah, fair enough. Noted. Well, I want to check it out because that is something I really want to do more of. Like right now, I'm in the process of uh, rebuilding my energies, so I don't feel as lethargic and lazy as I've been for the last couple of weeks. Uh, specifically, when it comes to CPA, I'm still kind of uh, very behind. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think I'm the one that's the furthest back though in the room. So no, you're not. It's me. <laughs> I think we just have. Maybe we can work school. together and help each other because I can't do it on my own. I have a hard time focusing on it. Well, yeah, we can do a study room if you want. Like, yeah, uh, how that would about be awesome. Because I'm away tomorrow. I get back on. I get back on Saturday evening. I'm busy. Sunday will be good. Yeah, we can either do Monday or Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday will probably be better for you because of our time difference. But we just hop on for a couple of hours in the evening. We can just sit through and go through uh, the the modules. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, have you done all noon? the module homework? No, I've got, um, but we'll discuss that in a moment. Anyway. Now, Leanne, if, if you don't edit this out, Leanne's going to know. We're going to be scolded. Oh, it's fine. Leanne already knows. <laughs> I'm sp- I'm sp- I'm, she's interviewing me in like six hours. So, Oh. Yeah, so it's going to be quite fun. Uh, yeah, Alicia, and, uh, just she'll get mad at me for that. It would be funny. Anywho, um, one of the last things I really want to tell everyone about you is that you're one hell of a good writer. And I think you have like a really bright future of like where you're going and picking up copy and everything else in between is just incredible but you're you're such an engaging writer and that's something i really do enjoy about your work oh thank you yeah i've been reading your blog post the last couple of days i just didn't say anything oh thank you oh yeah you know you do but guys please go check out alicia berberich.com uh it's incredible her site is really good go check out the blog join her mailing list reach out to her she's super easy to talk to as you've guessed and she'll probably, you know, throw a whip at you or something and tell you to do some more laps. Cause that's Give you motherly advice. That's what I always do. Yes, she will definitely do that. <laughs> anyway, guys, we'll speak to you real soon. Have an amazing weekend wherever you are on the planet of Earth. And uh, we'll see you next week with another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. Bye. Thanks for coming. Bye, guys. <laughs>